Hello, welcome back to the Barefoot Books podcast. In this week's story, Osin follows his beautiful bride to the land of youth. But what will become of the Irish warrior in a land of peace and plenty? After the story, go to barefootbooks.com to find the complete tales from Old Ireland Collection, along with songs, activities, coloring sheets, and more. This is the story of Oisin in Tirnanog. Fionn McCool had only one son, and his name was Oisin. Like his father before him, Oisin grew to be a great warrior, but it was for his songs and stories that he was famous in Ireland. For none sang more sweetly, nor played the harp more gracefully. The main reason, though, that Oisin will be remembered is because it was he, alone of all mortal men who went to Tirnanog, the land of eternal youth, and returned to tell the tale. One summer's day, Fionn and Oisin were out hunting on the shores of a great lake. Suddenly, a beautiful maiden appeared before them, riding a snow-white horse. Her dress of silk was spangled with stars, her hair was the colour of gold, and on her head she wore the crown of a princess. As she drew near, the maiden spoke. So I've found you at last, Fionn McCool, she said. I've travelled the world to meet you. What is your name, young woman? asked Fionn. And where are you from? I am Niamh of the Golden Hair, replied the princess, and I have come from Tirnanog, where my father is king. Welcome to Erin, Princess Niamh, said Fionn. But why have you travelled all this way to find me? For the love of your son Oisin, replied the maiden. Much have I heard of his strength and his courage, and more have I heard of his stories and songs. Niamh turned to Oisin. Will you not return with me, my love? My land is fair above all others and there we shall live forever young and happy. And Oisin, who had been silent all this time, said, I will go with you even to the ends of the earth, Niamh, for the moment I laid eyes on you I almost died with love. Oisin kissed his father on the cheek and said goodbye, but Fionn wept. I am sad that you are leaving, my son, he said, for I fear we'll never meet again. Oisin tried to comfort his father by promising to return, but Fionn would have none of it. The young man then mounted the fairy horse behind Niamh, and they rode off toward the sea. When they reached the shore, the horse neighed three times and leapt forward. The waves opened before them and closed behind them, and they rode so fast that they overtook the wind itself. After a while, the sky darkened. The wind grew stronger. The waves rose high around them. Thunder rolled and lightning flashed across the sky but the white horse rode on through the storm until at last the sun was shining once more and Oisin saw that they were nearing the shores of a fair country. Golden yellow was the sand, freshly green the grass, and tall, straight trees pointed up to the clear blue sky. There were hills and plains and flashing streams, and in the distance Oisin could make out a palace set with jewels, all glittering in the sunlight. "'Where are we?' asked Oisin for I have never seen a land as wonderful as this. This is Tirnanog, Niamh replied, and that's the palace of the king, my father. I know you'll be happy here, Oisin. As Niamh and Oisin climbed down from the fairy horse, a great crowd of people came toward them. Joyfully they were led to the palace where the king and queen were waiting. A thousand welcomes to the land of youth, Oisin, son of Fionn, said the king. The fame of your courage and your songs has travelled before you, and I am pleased to have you here with us, where you shall live forever, young and happy. Then Oisin was filled with gladness, and he and the fair princess were wed. Afterward, there was a great feast, 
and although Oshin had seen many a feast in Aaron, there had never been one like this. For three hundred years, Oshin and Niav lived happily in the palace of the city of youth, though to Oshin it felt no more than three, for a year seemed but a day in Tirnanog. They swam in warm lakes, raced their horses on the sand, and spent long balmy nights in each other's arms. If there was anything Oshin wished for, it appeared before him and sweet music such as no mortal had ever heard wafted on the breeze. But with everything so beautiful, and no one thing more lovely than another, Oshin felt no wish to sing or play his harp. Sometimes he would long to go hunting, and often he would sigh when he thought of his father and the friends he had left behind in the land of Aaron, but he didn't say anything to Niamh for fear he would sound ungrateful. Then one day he could stand it no more. Hasn't your father any enemies I could fight, he asked her, or wrongs I could put right? I'm a warrior, and I miss putting my sword to good use. So Niamh told him of a beautiful princess in the land of virtue, which lay next to the land of youth. The princess had been captured by a fierce giant, Favor of the mighty blows. He was holding her prisoner in the hope that she would consent to marry him, but she had refused. The young princess was waiting for a knight to come and release her, but no one in Tirnanog or the Land of Virtue was brave enough to do so. I will find the giant and free the beautiful princess, cried Oshin. Nothing would give me greater joy. So the next morning, Oshin and Niamh rode out for the giant's castle. They rode all day through the mountains, and as they went, the path became steeper and the countryside less fair. When they came to the castle, Oshin saw that it was a dark and evil-looking place, with a large rusty horn hanging beside the gate. He rode up, blew the horn three times, and waited while the sound echoed through the valley. Slowly the gates creaked open, and Niamh and Oshin passed through them. An old and ugly serving man led them into the hall, where they found the beautiful princess chained to the wall with seven chains. It's all right, said Niamh to the poor girl, when the serving man left them alone for a minute. We've come to help you. Oshin here is going to fight the giant and free you from his power. The princess wept for joy at this, for she had been held a prisoner for many months. Be careful, she said, for Favor is cunning as well as strong. Don't worry, said Oshin. Giants are no match for the Fianna. And with that, he went out into the courtyard where Favor, dressed in heavy armor, was waiting for him. The battle raged long and fierce. At first it looked as though the giant would win, for he drove Oshin hard into a corner. But then Oshin thought of the poor princess chained to the wall. The anger rose within him, and with a yell he dived between Favor's legs, spun around and clattered him a mighty blow that threw his opponent senseless to the ground. The wounded giant was carried away, and one of the seven chains that held the maiden captive snapped and hung loosely by the wall. The next day Oshin and the giant fought again, and Oshin was again the victor. A second chain snapped and hung by the wall. So it went on for seven days, and at the end of that time the last chain broke and the princess was free. Thank you, thank you, thank you, she cried, throwing her arms around Oshin. You are the bravest man in the lands of youth and virtue, and I shall be forever in your debt. And with that, the princess left to be with her own people, and Oshin and Niamh rode back to the palace of the city of youth. When he returned... Oshin was glad of heart, and he wished to celebrate his victory as in the old days in Aaron. He opened his mouth to sing, but found no words. Somehow it felt wrong to sing of triumph in this land of beauty, where all was happiness and no man was better than another. 
Again, Oshin felt a great longing to visit Aaron and see Fionn his father and the men of the Fianna once more. So Oshin spoke to his wife, saying, Knee of my love, my heart is sore with desire to visit Aaron. I pray you let me return for a short time, for I promised my father that I would visit him one day, and I wish to sing to my people of the wonders of Tirnanog. A chill ran through Neve's heart when she heard these words, and she held Oshin tightly, trying to persuade him to change his mind. But at length she saw that her husband would always be unhappy if she did not let him go, so she agreed. The next morning Neve saddled the white horse with her own hands and brought it to him. Go to Aaron if you must, she said with tears in her eyes. My horse will carry you safely over the sea and back again, but do not for a moment get down from the saddle. If you set foot on Irish soil, even for an instant, you will never return to the land of youth. Oshin kissed his wife and said goodbye, vowing that he'd stay on the horse. Then he rode away over the sea, and after many days he arrived. But his heart sank when he reached Aaron, for it didn't look anything like the country he had left. The rivers were deeper, the hills were lower, there were strange little cottages dotted all around, with small weak men working in the fields. And when he came to the hill of Tara, where Fionn's castle had once stood, all had changed. The hill rose up as before, but the castle was in ruins, already half buried by weeds and briars. Oshin was filled with sadness, for he could not understand what had happened to his land and his people. A little farther on he came to some of the little men, struggling with all their might to lift a huge flagstone. They had succeeded in half-raising it, but the weight of the slab was so great that the men underneath were being crushed. Help! Help! they cried when they saw the mighty Oshin riding near. Oshin couldn't believe that so many men were powerless to move a single stone. You're not the Fianna for sure, said he, laughing. He leaned over in his saddle, and taking the full weight of the flagstone in his hands, he raised it and flung it away, freeing the men beneath. But the next moment the men's cries of relief turned to shouts of fear. For Oshin's effort had been so great that the golden belt around his horse's stomach had snapped, pulling him out of the saddle. As he hit the ground, Neve's warning screamed in his ears, but it was too late. The great white horse vanished as mist before the midday sun, and the men watched in horror as the tall young warrior's powerful body withered and shrank, and his skin sagged into wrinkles and folds. Instead of a handsome knight, they saw only a blind old man, bent with the weight of many hundreds of years, lying helpless at their feet. Running to help him, they asked him who and what he was. But when he told them that he was Oshin, son of Fionn, they laughed and said, You must be mad, old man. Fionn McCool is dead and gone these three hundred years, and all his company with him. A holy man called Patrick has come to Ireland, and we are all Christians now. So they took him to St. Patrick, who listened to Oshin and treated him kindly, for he could see that the old man had not long to live in this world. Oshin told Patrick the tales of Fionn and the Fianna for the very last time, and the saint listened with wonder. He asked his monks to write them down so they might not be forgotten. They put them into a beautiful book with drawings on every page, and the final story was the tale of Oshin and Tirnanog. So put a sod on the fire, give an apple to the child, and pour a drink for the storyteller.
That's all for today's episode. Thanks for listening. Now you can visit barefootbooks.com slash podcast to find special offers, join our email list, and listen to past episodes of the Barefoot Books podcast. See you next week. Bye.